Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You sound good, Chris Brandon. Uh, so um, <laughs> the whole crew's here. All yeah, the Brandons. Yeah, we're all getting branded. We're getting the Brandon train run on us. So <laughs> I, I think you got. I, 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 yeah, we're getting. Yeah, Brandon's let's going. We're getting slutted out by Brandon. Um, so I think people remember the first time we talked about let's go, Brandon. We're like, oh, this is lame. Like this is like a mirror image of dotard and all that other lib stuff. Like. Everyone's just the same person. It's like, I get why it's fun. I just don't get it. Well, we all left, you know, our sanctuaries, our sanctuary cities, that is. We got out of our bubble. We got out of our bubble. But the real America. Yeah. We went to Buffalo um, and we drove through Let's Go Brandon Country. And holy shit, are we to- we're totally on board. Absolutely. It's a promising social movement that, I mean, like, perhaps we made fun of, but that was before we realized that we invented that this social movement and we the did founders do it. of the Let's Go Brandon movement. We actually okay. invented Let's Go Brandon in Chaz, which we also started. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, Brandon is like, it, it's like ASAP. Like, all of us now, it's like, like Brandon Felix, Brandon Matt, yep. Brandon yeah. Will. We're all, Let's Go Brandon on the track. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's Go Brandon made it. And just like ASAP, it stands for different things. Like ASAP stood for a lot of things, but they would mainly say like always strive and prosper. Brandon stands for being real, always now doing on top of uh, <laughs> now. And that just mean that just means that you're being real, but you're in the moment. Yeah. And yeah, it's like um, city, like, you know, city dwellers, people outside the Let's Go Brandon movement. They drink thing, They drink smart water because they think they're smarter than everyone. Let's go, Brandon. Aquafina. We were driving. Yeah, we, that's the first thing we noticed. That's when we first like got brandified. Was when we went to you know a gas station in Pennsylvania. Zero smart water. Zero Fiji. Zero any of that shit. Only Aquafina. Yep. Most people would be like, "Oh, I'm not gonna drink water." I, uh, if I can't have, if I have to drink Aquafina, I will just die. If there's no electrolytes in it, I don't even want to look at it. If this isn't that water that has silica in it, so it tastes wetter, my stupid brain won't even accept it as water, and I could drink a liter of it, and I'll still die. Might as well be distilled. <laughs> yeah, it's distilled water. It's just they're just doing a water cleanse, and they don't even realize it because it's psychosomatic. <laughs> but we drank that Aquafina, and we were like, "Damn, this is like this is like actually better than any other water." It was wonderful. I went branded all over that Aquafina. Yeah. That's when we started to get into Let's Go Brandon stuff. We saw these. We saw a truck with like tons of Let's Go Brandon stuff on it. And instead of being like, that's our enemy, we were like, that's our friend. Yeah. That's our follower. Yes. <laughs> that's our subscriber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's dead. They, they're, they're on the Patreon. And so like now that we are accepting the Let's Go Brandon movement that we started last year in Chaz, um, we decided that like, you know, if you look up Let's Go Brandon on Spotify, let's be honest. It's a lot of, like, bullshit country music. Can't you hear that sound of old and She's throwing her hands up. We're singing that old new American anthem. Let's go, Brandon. It's like the, the, the Latino song for Cubans who voted for Trump. The Spanish Let's Go, Brandon song. We're bringing something new. We're bringing like a real New York coolness. Yeah. I thought about if Lou Reed was alive to see the Let's Go Brandon movement and he made Oh Sweet Brandon instead of Oh Sweet Nothing, 
Linger on. Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then and who could forget his song, I Want to Be Brandon. Yeah. And the, street hassle. And the fact that the shelves are empty only proves that you are Brandon. <laughs> That's in Pale Blue, Brandon. Uh, uh, street hassle is actually a song about how it's a hassle that there are not, there, there's a nationwide Gatorade shortage caused by Brandon. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when I, when I read about the Gatorade crisis, I was like, I go out to the store, I see Gatorade, I see Powerade, I see all the colors of Gatorade, I see all the electrolyte and, you know, uh, uh, thirst quenching beverages available. But then I just took a little bit of research on my part to realize that Brandon has been punishing disloyal states by uh, creating a false supply chain crisis that prevents them from getting the Gatorade that they need to hydrate and, and drench their thirst. <laughs> Another thing about Brandon country is that uh, they still have Christmas there. Yes. They're not doing a biological warfare on Santa's the way that Brandon is in the big cities. Uh, there's tons of decorations and merriment and wassailing. People are going Brandon all over Christmas. I didn't even know what wassailing was until this weekend. <laughs> yeah. 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 And now, now I'm dedicating myself to the wassailing lifestyle. For those who don't know, if, I mean, for those of you who aren't familiar with Let's Go Brandon, um, wassailing is I'm um, spreading Christmas cheer and merriment. Yep. Usually while hammered. That helps. Yeah. Can you imagine if Lou Reed got to go wassailing during the Let's Go Brandon movement? Makes you wonder why a perfectly healthy man died the way he did. <laughs> it is very suspicious. Yeah. Makes you think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like uh, Lou Reed, um, sad song. And then in parentheses, this song is about Brandon. <laughs> this song is about Brandon being president. When I put the milk on quite on the shelves, I tell you things aren't quite the same. <laughs> when, they, when they put Adderall in Joe Biden's brain. It's, just, it's a way to bring people together. Because then instead of getting mad at people in your life, even strangers you have to deal with, you can all just get together and bond over how it's all Brandon's fault. Yes. And then you can just vibe. Like you're at the bank and it's taken a long time and it's a whole hassle and there's not enough tellers. You don't have to all get pissy and start bumping into each other and yelling. You're just like, let's go, Brandon. I mean, the fact that I have not bought any of my friends, family members, or Catherine's family members' Christmas presents yet, it's Brandon's fault. Supply chain. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's Brandon's fault. If you are my family and you're listening now and you're wondering why you're getting just one earbud and it's the waxiest <laughs> one you've ever seen well let's go brandon yeah let's go brandon let's go brandon let's go brandon it's awesome to say. try saying it yeah it's yeah fun. i like using it as a uh as a verb like i am gonna go brandon on these chicken wings yeah it just it's all purpose it's a what's our favorite thing what's the thing that always works horizontal social movement yep yep and i think it's safe to say this is conservative occupy and we started it <laughs> we got brandon on the track <laughs> damn brandon where you find this <laughs> real brandon shit did you ever hear the Trapaholics voice guy, the like forbidden line that you can't find anywhere? It was on like what it was on like a plies tape. <laughs> and in like 2008, and it was like, we got Ron Crack and Molly, and then he says the N-word. <laughs> like the world wasn't ready for that one. I don't think it ever will be. He's selling Brandon. We got that Brandon pack. No, no, we're not smoking Brandon pack. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, well, actually. Uh, there, there is an article in the Atlantic that attempts to um, apply an academic gloss to this growing social movement of "Let's Go Brandon." So, I mean, like, let's just let's just see uh, how how correct or not. I mean, like, let's let's see if, if if they get it or not. This okay. is this is an article in the Atlantic called 
the serendipity of Let's Go Brandon. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the prequel to my favorite movie, Serendipity. Uh, the anti-Biden meme is meaner than your grandfather's shoot or heck. It also offers a fascinating view of how language changes. This is by America's number one linguist, um, uh, John, John McWhorter. Oh, boy. John McWhorter. He's, he's probably the, he's the, top, he's the top linguist in America. Yeah. No, he's the number one lingual man. Um, like, nobody understands words better than him. He's the like, word god. But I got to say, he's, not, start, he's yeah. not setting this article up for success by using the word serendipity yeah, in the headline. Yeah. Get out of here, nerd. So is he like, did he surpass Chomsky in the ratings? In the linguist ratings? Uh, he beat him in a foot race. I think um, that's how it happened. Damn, you missed one pay-per-view and the game's all changed. <laughs> he writes, I know how I am supposed to feel about Let's Go Brandon. Mocking the president this way is uncivil, a sign of the collapse of the once-routine public courtesy, etc., etc. How I really feel about it, though, is that it's fascinatingly serendipitous, seriously funny, and intriguingly fecund. <laughs> from that from that one meme, <laughs> others are being born. Okay, this guy, he does not understand. Let's go, Brandon. Not at all. Get this your guy, bullshit fucking SAT language out of here. This this guy, he, he's he's never said let's go, Brandon. In his not life. one time. He's never he's never yeah yeah. He, I I would be surprised if he, if he even had a chuckle to himself when he looked at a a ga- gas prices and there's a sticker with an arrow saying let's go, Brandon did this. No no he, he never he doesn't even own the stickers that you can put in um empty supermarkets that say. Brandon is responsible for this. <laughs> he's never blamed anything on Brandon. I bet my I would bet fifty thousand dollars he's never tasted Aquafina. <laughs> Not one time. No, he's got that like glacial shit with the extra infused electrolytes. He's got water peptides. from Iceland. He's drinking yeah. water from Iceland. Yeah, get out of here with okay. this shit. So he says, um, last month an NBC reporter interviewing the victorious NASCAR driver Brandon Brown heard fans in the stand chanting. Fuck Joe Biden in lustily contemptuous unison. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Okay, like, he, yeah, under, he understands the libidinal, the lusty forces at work. Yeah. Because it means like, you know, let's go, Brendan. It, it, it's like, you know, it's like they said it has multiple meanings. There are many layers of meanings here. And one of them is let's fuck Joe Biden. Yeah. Let's have sex with him. Let's run our train on the president. Yeah. Let's, let's eat his pussy disrespectfully. Yeah. <laughs> let's leave. If Joe Biden is getting up at 7 a.m. every day to be president, we should leave him money to get his nails done. That's what we're saying. And we're also saying, like, it's also like if you're like us and you're not from Brandon country, it's like a role playing exercise. Every time we've been in a crowd shouting, let's go, Brandon, it always turns into like an orgy. Basically. Yeah, just it's, fucking and sucking. Yeah. Like summer of love, say goodbye to winter of 2021. Winter of Brandon. Um, but. The, the the fun for us personally comes in when we are in this orgy and we are just, you know, we are balls deep in like a leather mom. We're we're getting we're getting fucked by a, by just like a grape like stepdad. <laughs> and they're saying, you know, they're saying to us, let's go, Brandon, let's go, Brandon. And we get to pretend that we don't have our names. You know, some of us. um have names that a hemophiliac would have some of us do have that name some of us were almost named wolf or lafayette and the name that we have is actually the least weird name that we could have gotten our name is felix and so being called brandon while i'm engaged in this sexual congress the only congress that can pass something oh oh let's go brandon let's go brandon (laughs) let's Let's go go brandon Brandon. 
I get to role play like I am a guy named Brandon, yeah. which I've never been. And I always wanted to be. Yeah. I love to, I love to skeet on Brandon. <laughs> uh, he says here, okay, um, uh, the reporter insisted to viewers that fans were in fact chanting, let's go Brandon. And the, the way the press lies about the let's Fake go Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're going to lie to my face. This is, this is literally I was saying boo earns. Yep. <laughs> uh, the improvisation made no sense. Brown had won, so why would anyone cheer him on by saying let's go after he just accomplished quite a bit of going? That's so stupid, man. You, you fucking dumbass. Since then, Biden's detractors have adopted let's go Brandon as a kind of in-group salute, a coded way of saying, well, the other thing. The meme has found its way onto T-shirts, masks, signs at other sporting events, the house floor, and reportedly airplane intercoms, and was parodied this weekend in an online video form from uh, an online in an online video from Saturday Night Live. Oh, I'm sure that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so. probably really good. I the Let's Go Brandon mask is perfect for the new guy that I've been thinking about. The help of my friend Avery, the Trump voter COVID scold. Yeah. <laughs> The funny thing is, America is such a wondrous place that you know that they exist. They're out there. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, there is a guy who, like, was at January 6th, and he's wearing two Let's Go Brandon masks. And he's like, yeah, liberals won't double mask because they don't go to work. (laughs) However, the anti-Biden euphemism is of a meaner tone. This is not your this is not your grandfather's darn heck shoot or fudge. What kind of grandfather did this guy have? <laughs> Fuck it, my father, my grandfather cursed like an insane person. Uh, I mean, like my grandfather didn't hurt. I mean, he didn't he didn't curse, but he wasn't saying uh, darn heck or fudge. Yeah, you know. Yeah, was this guy's grandfather is Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> oh bother! <laughs> uh, he was saying let's go Bill Clinton, but he meant he meant the fuck Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> this is unambiguously. Proud. I mean, like this is before people had people had invented the idea that you can say a name that means something else. So yeah. it, was, it was just straight up fuck Bill Clinton. But he didn't say he didn't say the f word. F, yeah, f star 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 Bill Clinton. Uh, those are polite terms expressed without the teeth bearing ardor of the words they stand in for imaginable as things that characters played by Eddie McClurg might say in 80s movies such as Ferris Bueller's Day Off okay so like he's already he's already used the word um he's already used the word serendipitous fecund, fecund um and now ardor this is not very Brandon of him oh and he, doesn't, he doesn't understand it he doesn't oh get shit it. I, I skipped a paragraph here so just some context here he says interestingly despite its very American origins the catchphrase is rather South African Stay with me. In traditional societies there, such as in Zulu and Zosha communities, a woman marrying into a family shows respect by refraining from using any words that sound like her husband's or in-law's names and subbing in other words. Imagine if someone married William Green, the son of Robert Green, and instead of saying she will not eat green yogurt, had to say she refuses to eat grass-colored yo mix because Will and Green are her husband's names and the second half of yogurt sounds like the end of Robert. This practice is called Halanifa, and Let's Go Brandon is a coy substitution of the same kind. But that one's about respecting people and not by not saying their names. This I, is about disrespecting Joe Biden. It's the exact opposite concept. I, I got to say, John McWhorter, um, you said stay with me here, and <laughs> you lost me immediately. Yeah. Well, this is my favorite uh, bad writing move, is to bring up something that isn't... A, at all like the thing you're describing 
and then being like, well, it's like that, but not at all. Yeah. And it's like, oh, someone either had to fill space or is showing off something that they learned recently. Well, I mean, because he's the he's the world's number one linguist. Exactly. Right. He's he knows like, about uh, the I'm South African language practice of yeah. saying uh, saying <laughs> saying milk milk sludge instead of yogurt because you don't want to offend your in laws' families. Yeah. Yeah. This um, uh, let's go, Brandon. Is supposed to be offensive. That's the point of it. Ugh. Those who dislike seeing President Biden's name used disparagingly should welcome the latest development. People on the left are declaring, thank you, Brandon, in praise of the administration's accomplishments. Is that catching on? (laughs) I do remember that. I do remember that hashtag trending for like two hours among like Occupy Democrats. This is pointless because if you're saying Brandon, it it means fuck Joe Biden. Yeah. If if you're referring to Joe Biden as as Brandon Biden. He's already been fucked. He's already been fucked. (laughs) His holes just annihilate. Uh, We are witnessing the birth of a diagonal reference to Biden. Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> so, we, uh, he just, he, he doesn't get it. He does he, not he, understand it. He does not it. understand what Let's Go He knows Brandon the words, about. but not the music. Classic linguist business. We are witnessing the birth of a diagonal reference to Biden that signals a defense of him from uh, the slurs of the right. Brandon could well take its place as one of those bemusingly opaque code names such as Yeezy for Kanye West or Baz for Charles Dickens. Or as one of those pseudonyms that some members of Congress direct their staff to use for them when talking about work and social setting. A friend of mine who worked on Capitol Hill in the late 1980s referred to her boss as Bubo, lest eavesdroppers in public spaces pick up insider gossip about congressional business. All right. This is this is so. I mean, like this this article is a disgrace. Good. He's just he's just talking about shit that he knows personally. Yep, yep. just nerd nerd bullshit. Anti Brandon. Uh, while while I, we were wading through that bog, um, I can't. I finally came up with a good acronym for Brandon. I'll work on. I'll get the Let's Go next. Like nine thousand words he uses to describe like how movie posters used to be changed to follow the code, and that's like Let's Go Brandon. Okay. Being real always, never denying our inflation. <laughs> it's like, you know, Capitol Hill staffers coming up with cute nicknames for their bosses. Like, if you're listening to who, like, in, if you're listening in context, it wouldn't be that hard to figure out who Bubo is. Yeah. I got, I got to be honest. Um, I was so locked into figuring out the acronym. I don't know who Bubo is, so it worked. <laughs> We might simply embrace that sentiments will differ about this Brandon person in exactly the same way they do about, well, Biden. But, like, Brandon is Brandon Biden. Is Biden. Brandon what is Biden. About? What the fuck is he talking about? I've never seen, like, this is like, this is like undercover cop at Lollapalooza. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Brandon maniacs. I also have complex feelings about Brandon. I mean, I guess the idea, at least as I understand it, is like, you got Joe Biden, the guy, you know, the old man in the White House pooping his pants. And then you have Joe Biden as a symbol of American decline. And that is Brandon. So I guess you could say that that is a distinction. But it is not a meaningful one yeah, no. because none of us will ever meet him. He's, <laughs> he's literally in, he, the only one we can interact with is the, is the cultural miasmatic Biden, I, a.k.a. Brandon. We mean the royal we, though. I mean, like, not us, but you. Yeah. We are going to meet Biden because we're either going to win the war of Brandon, Brandon's rebellion, uh, <laughs> or or we're, because we're sort of the House Baratheon of the Brandon rebellion. Certainly, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't, I didn't have a betrothed or anything. 
but like I'm not getting pussy because of Brandon, and that's like the same thing that happened to Robert. But um, it's if we lose, it's gonna be like a James Bond situation where we're brought in front of Brandon, right? In front of Biden, yeah. And we're like tied up, and he's like beating us up, and he's like renounce, let's go, Brandon. He's doing CBT to us. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. wailing on our balls with a, a, a knotted piece of rope. <laughs> yeah. And in that event, like, we'll either die for, like, the start being the heads of the Let's Go Brandon movement. Yep. Or the Secret Service will be, like, you know, reveal, similar to the Praetorian Guard, that they're standing with the people. Right. So, sir, uh, calling him Brandon when dissing him could... (laughs) (laughs) They're dissing Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are dissing Brandon out here. Brandon was talking crazy. He got fried, too. Unreleased King Vaughn song. (laughs) Calling him Brandon uh, when dissing him could be What's seen. What's these homies dissing my Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> Why do they got a front? Could be seen as a kind of American Holonifa. Uh, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it could be seen that way if you're the most annoying fucking person ever. And yet, in elite circles, one senses a bifurcation. There's another fucking Oh, word. God. Oh, my God. Let's go John McWhorter. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon is warm and wise when preceded by thank you, but an unacceptable epithet coming from Republicans. It's not warm and wise when preceded by thank you because it means the same thing. Exactly. All that it's communicating is that the person saying it is a huge bitch. Is a huge bitch who doesn't get it. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't get it. Because, yes, because Brandon is fucked Biden. Yeah. It is not just Biden original. It's not Biden, Biden classic. It's fucked Biden. <laughs> it's punished Biden. It's, it's Brandon. Punished. He's punished Biden. Exactly. <laughs> punished Brandon. It's like you are, by, by giving the thank you Biden branded people. And by the way, they're not even saying that anymore. Uh, any kind of credit, assuming it's a real symmetrical thing, you are showing yourself to not understand it. Yeah. And also like saying thank you, Brandon. Like you can hear how sarcastic that sounds. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, It's like Brandon. thanks, Obama. Yeah. Yeah. We already did that with a bungler. Um, like, thanks, Brandon. Is like, okay, for instance, when we were coming back and we were outside a huge, like, just bumper to bumper traffic outside the Lincoln Tunnel. And, you know, this is true. Before Joe Biden, there was no traffic. Never. In the you could Tunnel. get in and out. It was a breeze. Yeah. So we said, thank you, Brandon. But yeah. then everyone heard us and started saying, thank you, Brandon, all in unison, and the traffic moved. Yep. Mm hmm. Did you know, Brandon, um, the, the, the people who collect, uh, you know, all the tolls that get collected from the Holland and Lincoln tunnels, they go to illegal immigrants. Yeah, they it's, pocket it, all of it. It, just, it goes directly <laughs> to them. Yeah, they pocket all of it. It's a really fucked up situation. They spend it on Gatorade that's being taken away <laughs> from Let's Go Brandon country. Yeah. The thing that the Gatorade policy, a lot of people are like, why would Brandon do that? That's just like mean to do. It doesn't accomplish any goal. No, it's so that at the high school football championships, a blue state will win. And a, a team wearing masks will win. <laughs> because they've been hydrated with electrolytes. Yeah. Um, okay, going on, it says, uh, few of the commentators who decried the supposed vitriol and vulgarity of Let's Go Brandon appear to mind Democrats' attempt to repurpose the race car driver's name. I, I just like, it's not... The race car driver is irrelevant. No, nothing to do with it. It's totally irrelevant. Shit it's, just, about this it's, just, guy. it's just an accident of that. Like he was the guy being interviewed when NASCAR fans were chanting "fuck Joe Biden." Yeah, you know, like, how do you be a linguist and not understand that at a certain point there's a detachment between the sign and the signifier, and no longer there's no longer a relationship between them. 
idiot. It would be really funny if that NASCAR driver was like the one guy who's like a 2013 Obama bot. <laughs> <laughs> like he's the one guy who's still like, you're only bringing up drones because you're racist. <laughs> but he's like an amazing NASCAR driver. Everyone has to just tolerate him. And he's just, he's sort of like the accidental fulcrum for this entire thing. Uh, the tacit idea would seem to be that when the left throws shade, it counts as speaking truth to power and is thus okay. Until the late 80s, some people on the left used politically correct, unironically to suggest without saying so, that right-wing views are inherently and incontestably wrong. The designation of conservatives outside democratic enclaves as deplorables didn't come from the right either. Overall, Let's Go Brandon is simply fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) A time traveler from 2019 would have been mystified as the bewigged people going as Karen this Halloween, I saw too, as well as those in mustaches going as Ted Lasso, of which I also saw too. This guy is just talking about shit. He's he's not talking about Let's Go Brendan or the people that it means something to. Nope. He's talking about things that he personally, like the the facts about Halanifa that like literally him and two other people are aware of. And then he's talking about the Halloween costumes he saw in 2019. Yeah. Or no, it's 2021. Yeah. Someone from 2021, uh, 2019, if they went two years into the future, would be confused why people dressed as Ted Lasso because that fucking show hadn't come out then. Yeah. I just like, I like the world's shittiest time traveler. (laughs) They're like, okay, you only get to do this once. And he's like, I want to go two years in the future. Also, like, couldn't you just like go to sleep a lot? He is, like, what's what's wrong with you? Yeah, just take a bunch of cough syrup. <laughs> yeah. He is showing himself to be talking out of his ass because if he's seeing people dressed like Karen and fucking Ted Lasso on Halloween, he is not around Brandon Country. He yes. does not understand their their hopes and dreams. Absolutely not. Oh, I think I think it could, I think in Brandon Country, like the funniest guy in town does a Karen costume. Maybe Karen, but certainly not. I'm not. I'm drawing the line of Ted Lasso. No, Ted Lasso. Fuck no. Fuck no. Like no one. The only people with Apple TV are people who have voted Democratic yeah. in 300 straight elections. Yeah. Like people who go to their kids' school and sit on their knees and pretend to be a kid and vote in mock elections for <laughs> Democrats. <laughs> so the people who have Apple TV. If you are an actor on an Apple TV show, or you make an Apple TV show. This is not an attack at you. This is. Um, I'm supporting it. Yeah, it's, it's great. It, it gives you guys if, some programs to watch. If you are Apple TV and you were thinking of giving me a show. I enjoyed on, Foundation. I wrote for, I invented Foundation <laughs> in, in Chaz. There are no records of it, but I did do it. He goes, um, uh, in the same way, think how utterly opaque Let's Go Brandon would be to a time traveler from just Labor Day. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. You. You. Uh, the, uh, the time traveler from Labor Day of this uh, of, of you know this year uh, goes to the future, and then sees uh, you know Let's Go Brandon bumper stickers, and they're like, "Hey, what's that?" Yeah. It would take me two seconds to explain to them. Yeah, what it's it not is. that difficult. It's not opaque at all. Yeah. It's just Let's Go Brandon. Let's Go Brandon is a stand-in for Fuck Joe Biden, or I want to fuck Joe yeah, Biden. Right. Easy. Aren't, isn't like almost everyone alive a time traveler from Labor Day? <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? We are all time travelers from Labor Day. Yeah. We traveled from that time to this time. Yeah. One minute at a time. Yeah, and I've lost a lot of that time. Yeah. Like, if I might as well be time traveling because I don't know what the fuck's going on. I, I forgot yeah. most of the things that have happened. It's it's also like, well, yeah, he would be confused, and then he would Google like, "What is what's this is Brandon shit?" And he'd be like, "Oh, there was a NASCAR thing." 
J- just like how most people did. Most people, most people alive today who know what Let's Go Brandon is weren't like at the NASCAR race yeah. and witnessing that. <laughs> like most people had the same way of figuring it out. They just looked it up. Yeah, the, the final you closes it out by saying, the meme is a wild, woolly kink in the intersection of language, politics, wit, and creativity, and is a prime example of why language change is a spectator sport. What oh the my fuck? Just, just, it, no, no, no. This guy, okay. Guy's never seen a sporting event in nope. his life. Uh-uh. I never said, let's go Brandon in his life. It is not an intersection of language, politics, certainly not wit or creativity. No, <laughs> no it is an expression of the folkways of, of, of real people. Yep. And their desire to fuck Joe Biden. That's it. Yes. Or just sometimes, fuck him over or just be like, fuck Joe Biden. Sometimes fucking Joe Biden is just fucking Joe Biden. That's it. Yeah. You don't have to think too much about it. And the funny thing is he clearly didn't because there's nothing in there. The article has no insight or even a thesis. It's just, yeah, that's something, huh? That art- Weird. That art- People didn't used to say it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. That article, is- someone from several months ago might be confused if they've been fucking <laughs> held hostage over the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah. If someone was denied by a court order from using computers, like I have been, um, that article was the literary equivalent, the article equivalent, below literary, of one of those cakes that like looks like a record player. Yeah. But it's just the worst cake ever inside. Yeah. How about this, though? This is the... The chorus for Oh Sweet Brandon. Oh Sweet Brandon. Stores ain't got nothing at all. <laughs> Say a word for the 13 Marines. Got killed by Brandon at the airport. <laughs> by Brandon in Kabul. By the way, uh, uh, RIP to the 13 Marines. Uh, I think that they have officially been forgotten. <laughs> No it's, one it's gives happened. a shit. It's hilarious. Wait, who are these? Who the fuck are these? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> what happened? He's got blown up by MI6 uh, right. at the Capitol Airport. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. And uh, there were a bunch of dipshits like leaving out drinks for him at bars oh, right. and yeah. such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Yeah. If you have the worst restaurant ever, like if you if you have a restaurant that combines like the worst poli- the worst qualities of like a Brooklyn gastropub and Chili's, yes, like it's just one of those bullshit ass restaurants where everything's on a buttered brioche roll. Yeah, you were like, I'm we're gonna leave out 13 beers for the Marines every night. Yep. And then you realize that you're still losing $450,000 a year because you restaurant, like no one, there are too many restaurants everywhere. Yeah. And you're like, oh, uh, th- those guys aren't dead. Actually. I mean, <laughs> you should stop doing it after a day. I mean, you know, I mean, you know who I blame for the proliferation of so many bad food restaurants in this country? Graydon Carter, Brandon. Oh. <laughs> it's true. No, Brandon. He is inter- I mean, those PPE loans that he put he out kept there. So many businesses that should have otherwise gone out of business like ten years ago. Yep. Afloat. He's just keeping them afloat. Brandon is like, hey, eat more bad food. What? It's more Cisco t- chicken tenders and shit. I do. Have There's to- a chicken tender shortage now too. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. I do have to say, PVP was Trump. Oh, that was Trump. They were Trump. Those were Trump. But like, it was Biden's choice. Just like Afghanistan, where it's like, yes, technically Trump pussied out of leaving Afghanistan, but it's Biden's fault. Yes, Trump kept all the shittiest restaurants in America alive. But Brandon could have been like, okay, we're clawing back that money with 25% interest. He could have done it, and he could have given us fewer terrible options. Instead, we're a wash. Nothing in the restaurants. 
or nothing in the grocery stores, but all these restaurants, all thanks to Brandon. That's why there's a chicken tender shortage, because there are so many restaurants where it's like, oh, it's the mac and cheese restaurant where three people go there a day, and they're just, they're wasting chicken tenders making like, oh, it's a lobster bisque, but with chicken fingers and mac and cheese, and we're calling it like Bertha's Surprise. It's a po' boy with lobster bisque, chicken tendies, <laughs> and shredded shredded lettuce. Yeah. It's called the Brandon. <laughs> Man, fuck restaurants. Let's if go you, restaurants. Let's go restaurants. I'm so sick of them. I'm so sick of them. If you uh, own a restaurant, it's like people who own restaurants, they're structural victims. Like we can agree that like we don't want to individually criticize that behavior because it's like, yeah, you don't know what else to do. You have all this. Your aunt died. The one aunt that liked you, and you're like, oh, I should start a restaurant. That's not your fault. If you work at a restaurant, if you're a server, or worse yet, a barback, fuck you. <laughs> You need to die. <laughs> Those are the people that are saying, I mean, like, like uh, waiters, they're the ones who are saying, thank you, Brandon. Yeah. Thank, thank you for, for making the supermarkets empty so we get tips. We can steal more money from people through tipping. <laughs> Do you realize they get paid even if they don't get tipped? <laughs> yeah. That's insane. It's crazy. <sighs> well, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I think we explained it. We've explained the social movement that is, that is growing. You know, no political change happens, happens outside of independent social movements. And I think Let's Go Brandon is a very promising one that I'm proud to have started. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy we started it. I'm so glad we remembered we started it. Yeah. Because we almost did it. Honestly, yeah. Uh, hopefully our uh, our copyright claim is going to go through and uh, the checks are going to start rolling in. Every piece of Brandon merch coming home to daddy. Um, yeah, we're going to be the Birdman of Brandon. <laughs> Cash Brandon Records. <laughs> We're I'm kissing not, all our sons. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say I, I would be the Birdman of Brandon because I love kissing you. I love kissing my son. I love kissing you on the mouth. Yeah, yeah. I'm the yeah. Well, I'm the Birdman and Wheezy because I'm like the best Brandon Sayer alive. Mm-hmm. But I also have a son who I kiss. I kiss Mike Racine on the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Palma said I was the Birdman to his his little Wheezy, and I was like very much so. I very much y- so. Yeah, I kiss all the pot about list guys, kiss mm-hmm. all of you one, kiss everyone. Kiss them on the forehead, kiss them on the lips, nibble their ears a little bit. <laughs> if you don't leave a hickey for your friend, you might as well be Brandon. I just whisper, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I just in Caleb's ear as I nibble it softly. This is kind of in the vein of uh, let's go, Brandon, but I was laughing about um, earlier. I think like the none of these girls really listen to our show. They more listen to like True and On and like, really all of our friends except for us mm-hmm. but like you know scary art girls uh-huh. like like 24 year old like weird haircut but hot if they they should start wearing kekistan stuff that would be so fucking funny to do well we should start selling kekistan merch honestly that there's no copyright idea, yeah no i mean we also found a kekistan yeah we you guys did remember that kekistan. yeah yeah you yeah guys remember that i remember it we did that yeah in 2015 we were like we're the most base shit posters ever if there's a meme war, we're going to win it. <laughs> we did. We won the meme war. Yeah. <laughs> Can't argue against it. Now the whole nation screaming, let's go, Brandon. They're trying to cancel the culture, but they can't ban us. I told Santa we need Trump back. Four more years of 45, I'm good with that. I know we all tired of Sleepy Joe. But Kamala is a ho, ho, ho. Call Common and Vixen, we headed straight to the White House. Cancel 46. Right, um, moving on from uh, Let's Go, Brandon. Uh, I wanted to dive into this. Uh, I mean, once again, uh, this is comes courtesy of the American conservative. And, like, it's not Rod Dreher. 
but they stay delivering. I'm referring, of course, to their latest article about um, reconstruction. And when you you know it, um, they're going in on W.E.B. Du Bois. Finally. And by by the way, I mean, I have a personal stake in this because he was born in the great town of Great Barrington, Massachusetts. (laughs) It's a local favorite, a local favorite of mine. But like this is this is the this is the American conservatives answer to critical race theory, which, you know, like they've won that meme war. And to replace critical race theory, they're introducing a new curriculum into schools called critical racism theory. <laughs> <laughs> so this is by um, this is by uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, the editor in chief of the American Conservative, uh, Helen Andrews. Uh, the article is called "Reconstruction Revisionism: The Library of America is Reissuing W. E. B. Du Bois' Black Reconstruction: A Farrago of Distortions." God damn! <laughs> Why does everybody got sound like a fucking nerd all the damn time? This Brandon's woman fault. also never once. She has never once chuckled about "Let's go, Brandon." Nope. She's, she's never. She has no Brandon merch. Nope. She, she has no merch. She's got no no juice in the Brandon community. But no, so she's drinking her smart water in her at her Zumba class or whatever they're doing, and then goes to cocktail parties with other elite conservatives, none of whom have any opinions on Brandon at all. So no, uh, that that's what all these people are doing. They're like, they're they're going to they're going to like one NASCAR thing a year, and they're they look like they're drinking Aquafina, but it just they took a Fiji bottle and changed the labels on it. They poured it through a funnel into yeah. an empty Aquafina <laughs> bottle that they pass around among themselves so that they can pass themselves off as Brandon Hez. Yeah, they're not, dude. They're not rocking with the movement. Okay, so uh, Helen Andrews writes. The wholesale reinterpretation of history around a left-wing narrative about race, which the 1619 Project is trying to accomplish for the rest of the American story, was first trialed on the history of Reconstruction. For most of the 20th century, Reconstruction was seen as a squalid and shameful coda to the Civil War when northern radicals and carpetbaggers enacted their wildest fantasies of humiliation and spoilation on a prostrate South. Starting in the 1960s, a group of revisionist historians began arguing that Reconstruction had actually been a noble experiment in interracial democracy, too quickly abandoned. It is noteworthy that this line started being touted only after the last people with firsthand memories of Reconstruction had died. Okay, I'm just going to note that um, that's not... Uh, people have pointed this out, but um, noting that like our attitude about what Reconstruction was changed after all of the people who were um, viewed it as a... a a humiliation of the South. Um, it, 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 the fact that our attitudes changed after those people died out, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was correct that they believe that. Yeah, yeah. That's And also, it's like a lot of people lived through Reconstruction, and only a few of them got to determine how like we collectively thought about it. And yeah, it's good that they're dead. Uh, yeah, no, he said, and, uh, you know, throughout most of the 20th century, Reconstruction was seen as, as a squalid and shameful coda to the Civil War. When northern radicals and carpetbaggers enacted their wildest fantasies of humiliation on a prostrate South, like ha- yeah, like having black senators, places that were really black populations, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they gave those assholes, like they let them come back into the union very quickly. They got all they basically had to do was apologize. Basically, nobody got executed or tried for all the treason or any of that. Uh, there's a w- so much they could have done if they wanted to humiliate the South. If you want to talk about actually making the South prostrate at a moment that they had been defeated, um, every single officer in the Confederacy should have been yeah. yoinked up and then all their land um, repossessed by the state and yeah. divvied up among the newly freed slaves. Yeah. Every plantation was basically just like a smaller scale fact, concentration camp. And we did like... 
how few of the planters we executed <laughs> is incri- like one of the biggest historical The fact that fuck fucking up. Ryan Reynolds can still get married at one of these places... It yeah. just shows you that they were not near, they were not humiliated at all after the fucking Civil War. The only guy that they executed for doing anything during the war was poor old Henry Wirtz, the Swiss commandant of Andersonville, for all the deaths that happened there, largely because they just he had no fucking uh, supplies or money to keep it keep the the camp up. Nobody else, including guys like Nathan Bedford Forrest, who did just documented war crimes got even put in jail. Jefferson Davis spent like two years in jail, wrote, got to write a fucking um, a memoir where he said, actually, uh, it was all about states' rights. Uh, shut up about the slavery thing. And then got to go home. Nobody went. People who fought in the Confederacy ended up back in the like Senate. <laughs> I mean, like the only thing that you could possibly think is humiliation is, yeah, having black representatives. No, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. The idea the only way that Reconstruction fits that model is if racial caste is considered like part and parcel of Southern civilization and disrupting it is and it's some sort of violence or yeah, humiliation. Yeah, doing violence against them. Against them. Yeah. Uh, so Helen Andrews continues, the urtext of this revisionist school is W.E.B. Du Bois' Black Reconstruction, 1935, now reissued in a deluxe edition by the Library of America. In his introduction, Du Bois promises a straightforward history differing from its predecessors only in that, I, quote, I'm going to tell this story as though Negroes were ordinary human beings. In fact, the book is much more than that, a bold attempt to apply a Marxist framework to the Civil War period, from the general strike of labor that supposedly crippled the Confederate war effort to the counter-revolution of 1876 that overthrew the Reconstruction government's dictatorship of labor. Black Reconstruction is not the sort of book any scholar would want as the foundation of a new interpretive school. Du Bois was no historian. Um, he had a degree from history from Harvard. Yeah, he did. Um, he consulted only limited sources and did no original archival research. Um, can you take a guess why he was not given <laughs> access to any of those original archives? I'll let you fill that out in your head. An omission that disturbed many scholars, several of whom dyspeptically noted the author's generous foundation support. According to his biographer, David Levering Lewis, the germ of the project was a dispute Du Bois had with the editors of the Encyclopedia Britannica in 1929. They commissioned an entry on black history from him, which he withdrew when they asked him to delete some excessively rosy passages on Reconstruction. Obviously, the Britannica editors wanted a racially progressive spin on history, or they would not have gone with Dubois. There is a line between creative reinterpretation and outright fantasy, and in their professional opinion, Dubois had crossed it. I mean, again, like, what were the excessively rosy paragraphs? I mean, like, like what, like, I just, I want to, I want to know what these people like think. I mean, like, I think they view Reconstruction like the Holocaust, essentially. And that, like, doing revisionism on it is like is like asking, like, you know, oh, why were there swimming pools at Auschwitz or whatever? <laughs> no, yeah, they it, it was a the Dunning School that dominated the understanding of of Reconstruction uh, at the turn of the century through the early twentieth uh, was created by by the uh, intellectual elite of the the victorious. Uh, like reconstituted Southern aristocracy that was able to uh, re- fight back and reclaim power thanks to the failure of Reconstruction and the mass use of political violence, uh, and and then to reimpose this idea. Like it was not, it was not like the folk wisdom of of the of the of, of the American experience. It was a project. Like he's talking, this person's talking about how uh, Du Bois was part of a project of reinterpreting the reconstruction but 
he was responding to a project of creating a narrative of reconstruction. It was not dispassionate or or like uh, grounded in some uh, authentic experience any more than any other historical narrative is. And uh, and like and she she sort of gives up the game in the beginning by quoting his own words about like, look, if you if you view black people as like normal human beings, then like this won't seem at all radical right. or like upsetting to you. But if you don't, like yeah. obviously, like that's what you're going to take issue with. Yeah. Because like the idea that they, uh, they you know like that they um, could be part of a democracy and hold office. Is what she finds um, a disturbing horror show that, correctly, we understand is a shameful coda to the Civil War. Yeah, uh, it, there is no point in beating around the bush. The version of Reconstruction history that Du Bois presents is based on motivated reasoning and tendentious distortions of the evidence. That is why it is so disturbing that this school is now the conventional wisdom. With no tools other than repetition and vehemence, these brazen innovators succeeded in getting their misrepresentations enthroned as orthodoxy and the common sense histories of yesterday, not just super... <laughs> common sense history. Is- <laughs> She's talking about birth of a nation. Yeah. D- 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 Dunning's, like, the Dunning School wasn't a bunch of uh, crackers sitting around the, the, the fucking uh, fire talk, telling tales about their experience. It was a bunch of Columbia University professors thought, uh, creating a orthodoxy. Out of their own motivated reasoning. Is her, like, because, like, I, I don't know anything about, like, the, I know about, like, the lost cause theory gaining traction, but, like, is her, she's saying what happened is that, like, just a bunch of, uh, who's the rooster in the cartoon? Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, they were like, I, like, five of those were like, I'm not a big city historian, but it <laughs> seems to me. Now, who's responsible? I say, who's responsible for this unwarranted attack on my person? Um, because, um, uh, to begin with a simple example, Du Bois attempted to refute one of the major accusations against the Reconstruction state legislatures that they were profligate and corrupt. Uh, quote, the increase of debts under the Reconstruction regime was not large. There can be no possible proof that all this increased indebtedness represented theft, nor is there any adequate reason for believing that most of it did. There is nothing on the face of the figures that proves unusual theft. Perhaps the figures do not prove theft, but they certainly suggest it. Between 1868 and 1872, the South Carolina legislature approved $200,000 for furniture. When auditors examined the state house in 1877, only $17,715 worth of furniture in the original prices was found. In 1890, the chamber was refurbished for $3,061. Expenditure on champagne and whiskey for the Columbia State House was $125,000 in a single year, equivalent to about $1.5 million today. Other states, such as Louisiana, saw tenfold increases in their budget relative to pre-war averages. Du Bois suggests this money might have been spent carefully and honestly upon legitimate and necessary matters of restoration and government. No one at the time was so naive. I mean, like, I just love here that, like, the expectation of how the uh, defeated half of the country that started the bloodiest war in American history over their right to own other human beings as cattle... Um, like, how do they expect to get treated after this? <laughs> well, also, I mean, like, honestly, like, we did not loot enough from the coffers of these fucking state governments. Well, for one thing, uh, there was a huge exp- explosion in spending in the southern states after the war. And that is because until the Civil War, the southern states never didn't spend any money. That They had no public provision of basically anything, including public education or any kind of internal infrastructure because – their economies were based on just this massive uh, uh, accumulation at the top through uh, through the slave economy, uh, which was maintained privately and was not distributed publicly. And and because all power was vested in these aristocratic factions who uh, held 
complete control over the uh, the state governments. Like South Carolina, until at the Civil War, beginning of the Civil War, South Carolina was the last state that still did not directly elect their um, they did not directly elect their U.S. presidential electors. They were rep- they were chosen by the state legislature. So like, like, like essentially what she's interpreting as corruption is like is, any, is, is the actual of, creation yeah. in the South for the first time of a significant public expenditure. And also to say that they were corrupt, honestly, I don't even know why you would bother. I understand why Du Bois wants, wants to defend like the virtue of reconstruction governments, but you really don't have to. All you have to point out is that during this period, every fucking government in the United States was insanely corrupt here in New York city. Boss Tweed spent a zillion dollars on building you at the uh, city hall, and all of it basically was graft. That that was how and you know what it got a lot of got, got a lot of shit done. <laughs> well, it got it got that. I mean, it did. They did build city hall, given that. But like at every level of government, uh, there was some there was massive corruption, uh, and I mean, it, it, in Washington, the entire apparatus of government was being purchased by railroad money. Uh, like there is nowhere you, where you can point to it, during this period and say there is uncorrupt government being carried out in well, any location by any political party I, or faction. I think so. Pointing so saying that the uh, reconstruction corruption in the South was somehow notable or distinct from the general pattern of governance in the post-war period uh, is a non sequitur, unless you're just trying to make a case against the idea of of black uh, governance of any kind. I mean, she never explicitly states that, but I think like what I think corruption here is like a stand-in for the way they use like oh like the the Chicago politics, yeah, or big city politics, meaning that like you know uh, like tax money or like you know like uh, state funds will be appropriated towards non-white people, yeah, or non-taxpayers, and like the corruption here, the creation of a corrupt government and a society that's like you know um, despoiled in some way means. The, any attempt to bring the South into the 19th century yeah. at that point. And, like, if you're going to talk about corruption or humiliation, like, how about a society that existed for several centuries based on a feudal aristocracy based on the theft of labor and the yeah. selling of human beings? Yeah. I would think that's pretty fucking corrupt. Yeah. Well, uh, it's the bias for anything that exists. That, uh, that's, that's the American conservative for you. Um, she actually does bring up Tammany Hall. She goes... Uh, when he does acknowledge that corruption occurred, Du Bois draws a false equivalence between the carpetbag governments and their corrupt northern contemporaries, which included urban machines like Tammany Hall. The absurdity of this comparison can be easily illustrated. During the years of Reconstruction, Tammany-controlled New York saw the opening of Central Park and Prospect Park and groundbreaking on the Brooklyn Bridge, three all-time marvels of urban engineering. North Carolina, by contract, spent tens of millions of dollars on railroads that were never built. By 1880, New York was the biggest, richest city in America, while the South was still poorer than it had been before the war. Southern corruption was not just a matter of a little graft here and there. It was the complete subordination of every level of government to the personal enrichment of a few, like slavery. Well, also, <laughs> yes. Also, comparing uh, urban uh, infrastructure to railroad is no good because, once again, they were building railroads to nowhere all over the fucking country. And what they did do in the South was build hospitals and schools that had never existed. They built an actual public infrastructure for the first time, and that's not mentioned at all. And yes, it was poor because of the, I mean, I would say it's because of the fucking gold standard being reimposed after the war, that that's the thing that strangled Reconstruction and doomed it as a project. But, you know, that was, 
not the the actions and certainly not the desire of the uh, political factions that were able to briefly uh, hold multiracial democratic power in the South. And uh, Tom Skoga made this point because, like, is he, what he said is like, okay, so if 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 uh, the Brooklyn Bridge in Central Park, there was like, you know, Manhattan became what we think of it today during this time period. Well, then after Reconstruction was um, basically uh, gutted and like, you know, apartheid, um, Jim Crow, like, you know, just basically the same conditions were once again imposed on like the freed black population of the South. You think at that point you would see Manhattan springing up all over the South. Yeah. But like that didn't fucking happen either. So she goes here, if budget numbers are not eloquent enough, we also have the testimony of thousands of Southerners in books, diaries, and letters describing legislators who openly sold their votes for cash and judges who refused to convict thieves who were caught red-handed unless the victims paid a going rate for justice. Du Bois discounts this eyewitness evidence as worthless. Quote, three-fourths of the testimony against the Negro in Reconstruction is on the unsupported evidence of men who hated and despised Negroes and regarded it as loyalty to blood, patriotism, to country, and filial tribute to the fathers to lie, steal, or kill in order to discredit these black folks, he writes. This is how all Reconstruction revisionists must treat primary sources and so many, as so many lies and delusions. Perhaps there are indeed instances when modern readers might usefully interrogate the motivations behind written testimony. When Southerners write over and over that undisciplined militias of armed freedmen may Made them feel unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm glad that there's somebody's uh, lived experience that we're supposed to honor. I'm glad that there are some bodies and spaces that we're supposed to give credit to. They're just, uh, the, they're fucking the, the Ku Klux Klan in, 19, or in 1875. It is, it, everyone's the same person. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, no, yeah, it's the only grievance with like anti bias training is that it's not like, anti-bias training at the behest of like that school in Kentucky where the students grind on the teachers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Southerners write over and over again that undisciplined militias of armed freedmen, freedmen made them feel unsafe. They, <laughs> look, they, 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 they were, they were heckin' small beans. They were, they, yeah, they, 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 were, they, were they were doing them a frightened. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, just a, just a shy mass rapist. Why do you have slaves? I'm shy. <laughs> Um, drilling in the middle of the street and intimidating local Democrats confident in their immunity <laughs> from legal consequences. It's just like, I'm sorry, like... I'm like Those local Democrats, local by Democrats. The way, were killing people <laughs> yes. in mass numbers, in vastly disproportionate numbers. There's a base, there are almost no instances of Reconstruction government. And honestly, this was one of the problems of Reconstruction is that there was not enough violence on behalf of the state governments themselves to defend uh, their, their mandates. All of the violence, the vast majority of it, was carried out by small bean Democrats. <laughs> it has to be this, like, feels unsafe shit. Because if you actually ask, like, okay, what's the body count of yeah. Reconstruction? There's no, like, or, it pales in the face of ask, what the Democrats were doing. Or ask, why do these people feel so, so unsafe by the sight of, uh, you know, black people <laughs> being part of the police department or government? Yeah. It's almost like they did something horrible to them. <laughs> it's almost like they deserve it. A very short time ago, yeah. Um, um, it may be that these fears were partially motivated by racial prejudice. Oh, okay. yeah, maybe. All right, well, I mean, she's very generous of her to admit that. Yeah. Um, but Du Bois is glib to write off all the evidence this way. In Gaston County, North Carolina, the Union League came to town, and soon after, 28 white farmers had their barns burned down in a single week, Aww. leaving the victims destitute and near starvation. Aww. Did Gastonians dream that? Did the barns burn themselves? How many people got fucking castrated by the Ku Klux Klan? <laughs> this is insane! 
You're literally talking about buildings. How many, how many Americans died in the Civil War? <laughs> Period. <laughs> the most pers- persuasive testimony we have is not from ex-Confederates, but from true-believing liberals who nonetheless became convinced that Reconstruction was a betrayal of their ideas. Uh, James S. Pike... Well, off- that's true, though. I will give her credit for that because they were liberals. And they thought, if we get rid of slavery, then everything will be fine. And we can finally impose uh, market logic onto the whole of the country and we can have uh, freedom. And then that didn't work. And it turns out that you actually need to reconfigure the relationship between the citizens and government in order to actually have liberty in a, in a condition of, uh, the end of, of the abolition of that incredibly persistent and, and deeply embedded social structure of slavery. And they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to take the next step. And they're like, you know what? Actually, this was all a mistake. But that does, that, that, that's just because well, they that, were uh, incorrect. It gets even better here. It says, um, uh, author of the scathing book, The Prostrate State, about Reconstruction South Carolina, was a radical Republican from Maine and former ally of Thaddeus Stevens. Daniel Chamberlain of Massachusetts commanded a black regiment in the Union Army. Yet in 1901, he published the overwhelmingly negative assessment, Reconstruction in, in, <laughs> Reconstruction in South Carolina in... Atlantic Monthly. <laughs> the ho- itself the house magazine of Boston, high-minded Boston abolitionism. Reconstruction ended not because Southerners overthrew it, but because Northern liberals could no longer in good conscience defend it. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, once again, yes, because Northern liberalism was incompatible with a successful Reconstruction. And so they, there was no will to carry it out. I mean, that is accurate. I mean, if there's only there's some sort of, um, I don't know, heuristic through viewing history that maybe yeah. uh, someone like W.E.B. Du Bois attempted right. to uh, impose yeah. upon this narrative that could make sense of why high-minded Boston liberals <laughs> turned against Reconstruction yeah. because they couldn't stomach it in good conscience. Yeah, I know. It was just, all it took was a couple of barns being burned and they were like, think of the hay. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> were, there, were there like, I mean, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I'm assuming there were like Selena Zito type articles <laughs> around then that were like, I actually, I, I talked to a guy who owned like the biggest plantation. Oh, no, and, 100%. Yeah. The plain truth is that Reconstruction was bad, objectively bad. It was a time of school commissioners who signed their names with an X, tax collectors who pocketed huge sums for private use, tin pot tyrants who had citizens court-martialed and sent to the dry tortugas for the crime of insulting the Republican Party. The only possible reason for lionizing <laughs> the only possible reason for lionizing this traumatic episode would be if you had an ulterior political reason to do so. Everyone what has was an ul- the political yeah. reason for creating the first the narrative in the first place. Like the, the the premise here is that there is such a thing as a authentic historical narrative about any event that is untainted by motivated reasoning or politics, and that. It could only be uh, uh, not uh, overthrown or abnegated by some sort of conspiratorial uh, effort to propagandize. Not that you just have these uh, consensuses that change over time due to changing political and social conditions. Also, like her her horrifying description of Reconstruction states, it just it sounds like what those states are like now. Yeah, like just I mean, shitty, yeah, shitty, like, okay, shitty the, kleptocracies. Yeah, where, like. All right, there was a redemption. You got what you wanted. All of the awful, corrupt governments were overthrown by by the 1880s. Then the South just killed it after that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was so traumatic that they're stuck reenacting that behavior forever. 
It is no coincidence that the two most prominent Reconstruction revisionists, Du Bois and Eric Foner, are both waiting for Foner to get brought up. Are both Marxists. Uh, du Bois died a Stalinist and appointed prominent communist historian Herbert Aptheker as his literary executor. Foner is a longtime Soviet sympathizer whose father and uncles were CPUSA members. In 1990, he encouraged Mikhail Gorbachev, faced with upstart secessionists in the Balkans, Baltics, to imitate Abraham Lincoln's example and preserve his union. These men's communist affiliations are not just a gotcha. When revisionists say that Reconstruction only failed because it was not tried hard enough, what they mean is that America did not go all the way to a 1917-style revolution. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Foner is circumspect about this, referring delicately to expropriation and the make-or-break issue of land redistribution. I mean, what right did any of these people have to their fucking land after the Civil War? I know. like, like, who would be making that article? Like, oh, we can't, we can't, we can't just take like, their land no, away. There's no argument that, that you can make in, in an abstract sense. Forgetting even the question of of the the, in, the immorality of slavery, that they had taken up arms against the government, and you can say, well, they had the rights, blah blah blah. It was, it was their, yeah. Any argument that you want to make that there was a justification for their land holding was premised on a social order that was defeated by the Civil War. There was it was a contest of sides. One side won, and what that means is that the side who wins gets to determine what your fucking rights are. There is no transcendent right that they to, that they must that must be respected. The reason that northern liberals did respect their rights is because the most influential, especially after the assassination of Lincoln, members of the Republican Party were ideological liberals committed to American capitalism and as such were horrified by any uh, actions that would uh, have undermined property rights as the basis for uh, the social order. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't have, though. I mean, history is, the the study of history is, is about, like, determining what the conditions were, what's driving the action. It's it's not about taking uh, the the ideological matrix that existed then, preserving it in amber and saying that it had some sort of transcendent universal truth that we have to respect forever. But that is the conservative historical project. Um, She goes on. uh, uh, Du Bois comes right out and says it. Quote, Only a vast and single-eyed dictatorship of the nation could guide us up from the murder in the South and robbery and cheating in the North into a nation whose infinite resources would be developed in the interest of the mass of the nation, that is, of the laboring poor. I mean, very brave of her to just include Du Bois' own words in this because, I mean, she's uh, proving why black reconstruction still matters and will probably continue to be taught for another hundred years. Yeah. Du Bois describes Reconstruction as one of the most extraordinary experiments in Marxism that the world before the Russian Revolution had seen. The parallel is apt. The only question is why the Library of America would reissue the book of a man who argued that America's, that America's never attempting a Leninist dictatorship of the proletariat on a national scale was a bad thing. Well, what, did we, what was the political reality in the South after the Civil War and what was it after Reconstruction? Was it democracy? Would she call it that? And if it wasn't, what was it? And if it was a dictatorship, what did that dictatorship lead to? Like, these people hate what America is now, right? Yeah. And the failure of Reconstruction is part of that tapestry that got us to where we are. And all the shitty stuff, the, 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 the condition of the South, the abjection of the South that has persisted ever since Reconstruction has been at every point dominated by a aristocracy. Yeah, and um, the thing is, like, okay, she's against a Leninist dictatorship of the proletariat, but, like, we read the American conservative all the time. 
they're not huge fans of democracy either. No. I mean, like, like you know, she, she's, she's putting it delicately. In fact, like, she's way, way more cowardly than Foner or Dubois, yeah. or Dubois is because what she's saying is really that, like, the organic natural order that's worth fighting for and preserving is a slave aristocracy and that any attempt by the state or uh, individuals themselves to enfranchise black people in, in the American experiment or like you know, allow them political representation or freedom at all is some kind of unnatural intervention in a social order or like in the, in a natural hierarchy that, that, that is America in some abstract sense. Yes. And that doing it is, is un-American and like should not be taught in schools Blah blah blah. So and, I mean, but, it, but also like the the thing of like, I mean, this is a smaller point within this, but the idea that like they shouldn't reissue it because Dubois said that America should have followed Leninism, should have had a Leninist revolution, isn't that just, doesn't that just run counter to everything they said from like 2018 till now? That yeah. you should you should evaluate people, you shouldn't evaluate people by the views they held. Yeah, you look, yeah, exactly. Look the prism of today. Like if if that's what you're doing, like who's who, yeah? I mean, who, like, like she could make that same argument about like people who want Nathan Bedford Forrest's statues to get taken down because you're like, look, you just have to judge them by the times that they lived in, right? And like that, you know, what he was doing was like, you know, considered moral or heroic at the time, you know, and it's just part of our history. Well, that's because it's all bullshit. Nobody actually holds any of these liberal values. Liberal values are are luxuries of uh, conditions of plenty, and the, and as soon as people begin to feel that there is a decline rather than an ascent, all of a sudden, no matter where you are, they start going away. And the thing, is, the thing about the beauty of American ideology, though, is that you can, in your own mind, slowly discard all of these trappings of uh, liberal uh, idealism without ever thinking you're doing it, without always assuming, no, I'm still holding on to it. It's all these other people who are... Uh, right. Giving. And because, because they're discarding it, well, I guess I have to also. Right. I like I I do hate the idea of having like legally declared hate speech, yeah. and most of these people would probably say the same thing, but they do agree they agree with that in concept. Yeah, just like a different type of hate speech and a different type of like getting it out of there. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the great thing about the the term unsafe is that everyone really does use it. Yeah, and it's everyone. the line where you can draw restricted language or re restricted person to look at. Yep. It, it, at the end of the day, everybody is trying to protect their subjective emotional experience and whatever has to happen whatever rules have to be changed or enforced to allow that to happen need to occur and and whatever whatever mental gymnastics you have to go through to justify it uh, are worth it uh, because that at the end of the day that's all you have uh, as you close it out here last paragraph reconstruction has been called a piece of the 20th century that fell into the 19th it certainly bears a resemblance to the post-colonial regimes that arose in Africa in the 1960s, both in the ruin that followed and the how-dare-you reaction of defenders who insist that any more gradual path would have been an unspeakable moral enormity. I mean, she's like, she's like we should have, and what they're saying is that like, the Civil War should never have been fought. Right, or there's, there's no need for it to be fought, and that like, gradually, like, you know, oh, Hey, uh, Brazil got rid of slavery in the 1880s without us, without Take a war. It up with the slave owners. <laughs> yeah, they started the goddamned war, and Be they were able because, to start the war. Why did they start it? Because they wanted to protect slavery, but because they saw it as ending, and they were 
they were masters of a political and social order that they didn't want to see go away and nothing was going to make them do it as long as they felt that they could hold on to it and when she says here that like you know people who insist that any more quote gradual path would have been some sort of like moral abomination i mean again she is she is being delicate and cowardly in a way here because what she really wants to say is that like fighting a war to overthrow slave aristocracy was the moral abomination yes and that's the antebellum south was a normal natural social order that like you know, if if it lasted another few decades, or you know, no matter how long, it just would have gradually been phased out. But like, you know, it is it's that the um, it, reconstruction itself was worse yeah. than slavery. Mm-hmm. Recently, we have seen a push to do for the last four hundred years what Du Bois and his heirs did for reconstruction: rewrite history so that good is bad, heroes are villains, and the solution to every problem, no matter the circumstance, is to give money and power to racial minorities. <laughs> If that push succeeds, it may be equally it may equally be said in the future that reconstruction that reconstruction historiography was a piece of the twenty first century that fell into the twentieth. Helen Andrews, the American conservative. Um, I'm doing a Google image search. Uh, oh yeah, no, she's a. Uh, damn, she's fire. <laughs> she's so fucking fire. Damn. <laughs> what the? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't, don't like, want to be too mean, but well, I mean, she's. I mean, like, look. Hey, I mean, like, sometimes you just have a big forehead. <laughs> what can you do? I mean, she's like, she's just like a piece of shit. So I, don't, I don't care. But I mean, like, I, she, she's 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 still tiptoeing up to the fucking line, and like, he, mm-hmm. I'm sure she feels very like saucy about about publishing this, and like a lot of people are, you know, are uh, you know roasting her for it. And I'm sure she gets a, a thrill oh, out yeah. of that. But she is she still pussyfooting around the central issues. She is still. For her own reasons, she is still unable to admit what she's really arguing here, yeah. which is that getting rid of slavery was worse than slavery. Yeah, because slavery is has a virtue of uh, emerging as a natural progress or process, and that and the, the evil modern mind has to rebel against nature. And it's the same idea that says that there's such a thing as a as a organic uh, historical memory that that transcends politics. Okay, she got a BA from Yale. That's a, I mean, that's really where you learn how to stay unsafe. <laughs> Man. BA from Yale. Uh, your boy says a degree in history from Harvard. Yeah, and she's like, oh, he uh, he is no historian. Your boys would be more comfortable at a Let's Go Brandon rally. <laughs> yes, <than Helen> Andrews. <laughs> Absolutely, he was a Stalinist. You think he you think he wanted to thank Joe Biden? No, no. yeah, he loved Gatorade. He started Gatorade. <laughs> No, that was uh, Booker T. Washington. Peanut flavor was kind of gross, but but you know what? Though, like, I mean, like most of the history of the 20th century was um, uh, did explicitly favor uh, Booker T. Washington's vision of uh, uh, so like history and progress over Du Bois because Du Bois was correct. Yeah, because Du Bois had the fucking right idea. Yeah, and if you're ever in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, you can visit his boyhood home. So yeah, um, there we go. Um, so we got a show on Thursday this week. We do. Sold out at yeah, Warsaw. Sorry However, for you guys, yeah. sucks. Sucks to suck. Um, it, I mean, and it it will determine. I you know I hate to say it, but depending on how our crowd is in Brooklyn at Warsaw and Brooklyn, a lot is riding on this mm-hmm. because like you cannot you will get to decide what is the number one city in New York. Is it the city the state is named after, or is it Buffalo? Let's go Buffalo. But I mean Ooh. that like I don't mean there's no double meaning. No, there. no, no. There's no double meaning there. I mean like that. That is a straight up one to one. Let's go Buffalo. I want to thank everyone who came to see us in Buffalo, and I'd like to thank the city of Buffalo for once again being wonderful hosts, wonderful hosts and friends to the show. 
we had such a good time in Buffalo. Great Lakes energy just radiating off of that place. Uh, we saw the, we saw Niagara Falls. We, we saw the car that's still stuck in Niagara <laughs> Falls, fun. which is wild. It's probably going to be there for another hundred years. Another um, another great monument in Erie County. Um, but yeah, the the show unfortunately is sold out. If you're still thinking of coming, but you can you can sort of cheer for us. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. I'll get to our, our our new dates in a second. But I just want to like put it out there now. There are certain people we're putting on the guest list for the show. I'm just going to broadcast it as wide as possible. Eric Adams. Bill de Blasio, Chris and Andrew Cuomo, Kathy Molecule, Liz Smith, um, uh, Melissa DeRosa. Melissa DeRosa are all on the list for our Warsaw show this Thursday. Please come out. I think you will really enjoy, especially the second act of the show. Yes. It is, um, I think, a cinematic triumph. Yeah. I think it's safe to say. We're, we're real excited. Oh, and also, so talking about reconstruction, we're going to be doing some reconstruction of our own as we tour the Great American South next year, starting February 24th in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Underground. Then February 27th in Atlanta, Georgia at Buckhead Theater. March 3rd in Nashville, Tennessee at the Basement East. Uh, we'll featuring special guests, the Trillbillies. Um, uh, February 18th in Dallas, Texas at the Echo Lounge and Music Hall. March 22nd in Houston, Texas at the White Oak Music Hall. And then... Rounding it out, March 24th in New Orleans, Louisiana at Civic Theater. Oh, I guarantee that's going to be like my born. <laughs> I oh. guarantee Matt will be doing that voice the entire show. Can't wait. Um, oh, and there's also uh, a possibility that an, a third Texas date will be, asked, will be added in Austin. Oh, for the Texas dates, I think for at least some, if not all of them, we are going to have Thomas and Jake from Pateo Time oh, yeah. as well. Absolutely. We're very excited for our guests. We are very excited. I've never even been to Texas. Um, Me neither. I've been to the Dallas airport one time, but I've I've never been to Texas. It's not the same thing. I've also been to the airport, and I just, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was that much bigger than I have. uh, I've also not been to Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, I basically have been there one time, and that's when I was born. Um, So I'm coming back. It's a big homecoming. (laughs) It's a big homecoming for me. So I, I, I expect to be feted by the city. Yeah. The city of my birth. I'm excited. I'm very happy we're ending the tour in America's wettest city, New Orleans. I can't wait. Oh, I'm baby. so fucking excited. I, I really am. We, we all eat so are. much good food in New we're Orleans. Be glistening like uh, John Candy on the stand <laughs> in JFK. I, I'm cutting. I'm cutting weight now. I'm cutting weight now. Uh, so I am 104 pounds before the tour, and we're gonna see how big I can get. <laughs> I'm so excited. What did John Candy say in this thing? He's like, uh, right ho-ho, wrong you got the right, You're at the right TT, but the wrong ho-ho, daddy-o. The cat's spanking you. Man. Kennedy's dead as that crab meat you're eating. <laughs> Let's all dress like John Candy yes. from, from JFK. Get those Ray-Bans on. I, yeah, nothing but seersuckers. I'm excited. Like, we're going to the Let's Go Brandon capital of the world. Yep. And look, like, we love New York City. We love all the New York City stuff. CVS, Equinox, all the stuff that's only here in nowhere. Papaya, <laughs> papaya uh, uh, the Wendy's in Midtown, all the stuff that's <laughs> nowhere else. But, like, man, when we're in the South, we can buy whatever vape flavors we want. It's just probably the world's greatest selection of soda oh, in yeah. the South, so you have to soda. admit. Yeah. We're gonna, we're, honestly, like, we've been discussing it, and I think, like, on, on, the, on the tour of the South, we're just switching sets permanently, and we're going to become Southern guys. Yeah. 
We're I like I, I I know we've been shitting on the American South for like good five years now. We and only we just only, did. We've only we've just we just did. But like when we get there, we're officially switching sets. I'm now anti-vaccine. I'm not getting a fourth shot ever. I'm getting the, all of the shots I have taken out of my body. Yeah. <laughs> Unless someone asks me to. Yeah. But we're absolutely done with Brandon. It's, it's let's go Brandon time. It's finished. It's done. Yes. Have I gotten literally more boosters than anyone in the world at 58? Yes. <laughs> but that's all the past now. Yeah. We're flipping over. We're changing sides. We're going to be so fucking good at being conservative. You have no idea. It's not even about being conservative. I'm going to be so good at just being from the South. Yes. Yes. It's like all of my all of my epigenetic memories are going to come back to me. I um I don't have any southern epigenetic memories. I only have the road trip we went on when I was a kid when my dad we took a road trip to the south when I was like 13 or 14 and my dad read the book Ghosts of Mississippi before. So just like every white person he saw over the age of like 50, he was just disgusted by. <laughs> it's like ruined his trip personally. But I thought it was, you know, I'd never been so, well, we're coming. We're coming. We're coming, baby. Um, see you at uh, Warsaw on Thursday. Absolutely. Links uh, to all those dates and links to buy tickets to all of them at chapotraphouse.com slash live. Till next time, gentlemen. Till next time. Bye-bye. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Linger on.